You guys can have a seat. While you're headed to your seat, if you already made it there, because you are awesome, you guys can turn to Philippians chapter 3. That's where we're going to be at this morning. We're going to be a little bit of everywhere, but you can go to Philippians chapter 3. So if you have a Bible, bust it out. If it's on your phone, if it's actually a, a hardback one or something like that, go to Philippians chapter 3. That's where we're going to be. As you can see, things are a little bit different on the stage. Greg's going to try a few things. Hopefully, if you're in the back and you didn't wear your contacts, your glasses, I'm so sorry. You made a bad decision this morning. Um, but hopefully, you guys will be able to see this. And uh, I'm going to show you guys some. We're going to do some, we're gonna do some whiteboard artwork today. It's going to be dope. All right. Well, hey, uh, if we have not met already, I didn't say this earlier, but my name is Greg Brooks. Everyone say, hey, Greg. Hey. All right. It's good to meet you. Uh, it's been a good morning. I've already confessed sin and worshiped and taken communion. It's like a beautiful day. It's like, this is the way it is. All right. Hey, when I was in middle school, I lived in Missouri. I'm telling you my whole life story apparently today. Um, but I was in Missouri, and that's where I learned how to play basketball. And I love basketball. Anybody else? That's what I'm talking about. I love basketball. It's a great sport. Um, I learned how to play in the Midwest, and I had a great basketball coach. Can't even remember his name right now. But I want to tell you about this guy because he was my basketball coach and he was my math teacher. And this guy was so influential in my life that I wanted to be what? Guess. I wanted to be a middle school math teacher who coached basketball. I legitimately, that's what I wanted to be. Because of this man, he loved us, he encouraged us, he taught us, he was a great coach. Anybody ever coach like that? Man, it made a huge impact on your life. For me, I didn't grow up in the church. I grew up, my pastors were coaches, all right? My co and my pastors cussed a lot more than probably your pastor does, probably, hopefully. Uh, so anyways, he was a great coach. Now, here's the thing I, I think that we would all agree. If you want to be a great basketball player, you're going to need a great coach, all right? For me, maybe not for some of you, but for me, to be able to do algebra, I needed a math teacher. Anybody else? So here's what is true. To be able to play basketball well, to be able to do mathematics, you're going to have to have somebody who teaches you, who instructs you, who trains you. And I can say that my middle school basketball coach and math teacher had a mission in life. On the court, his mission was to make little basketball players who were athletic enough to win games. The goal was to win. And in the classroom, his goal was to create little mathematicians, kids who were able to, for me at the time, it was just to get a good enough grade to move on. For other kids, though, his teaching them was so influential, it helped them move on to become engineers and doctors and statisticians and whatever. The teaching that he gave to me and my classmates, the coaching he gave to me and my teammates, helped a lot of us go on to a better life because of it. And I'm telling you guys about that because today we're talking about uh, not my middle school basketball coach's mission. We're talking about the greatest mission a human being could ever have in their life. And it's this, to be and to make fully devoted followers of Jesus. And I say that not just because I'm a pastor. I'm a pastor because I believe that. I believe because I fail to see how anything in the entire world, any mission in the entire world can compare to the life change, the life transformation that Jesus brings when he touches their life. Amen? My life is radically different because of this Jesus, and I believe the greatest mission I could ever live on and that you could ever live on is a life on mission with Jesus. And so what we're going to be doing, okay, over the next four weeks, starting today, today's week one, uh, in the middle of this series we're doing, it, which is called God's Church, we're going to be talking about this mission of discipleship, okay? And so today we're going to talk about what the mission is, and I've already told you it's what? To be and to make fully devoted followers of Jesus, all right? And so today we're going to look at it in three different questions, and in the next three weeks, we're going to break it down even more and more, and by the end, if you stick with us uh, and I don't overly offend you, it's going to be you're going to be ready. You're going to be so ready. So let's look at these three questions. The questions are going to be this. What is the mission? Everybody say that. Who is it for? And why do we do it? Okay, there we go. I'm jumping in with Chet. I'm just going to make you guys repeat stuff, but I'm not going to count to three. I'm just going to trust you, all right? Uh, that's just a joke. So what is the mission? 
Okay, who is it for and why do we do it? You said, you already told me the mission. We're still going to look at it, all right? In Matthew chapter 28, okay, there is two verses that uh, many people will take you to. If you ask a Christian, hey, what is the mission of the church? What is its purpose? They're probably going to take you to Matthew 28. It's the most popular place, and it is a wonderful, wonderful, great commission that Jesus gives us at the end of his ministry. Let me tell you. I'm going to read it. It says, Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. Okay? Make disciples, all nations. That means all means what? All. Does that, like, exclude Mexico? Does that exclude Iran? No. All nations make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, listen to this, I am with you always to the end of the age. Okay, so I think it's fair to say that the mission of the church is described by Jesus, who I think has the right to tell us what the mission is, is to make disciples. Okay, but what is a disciple? I mean, most of you guys, you don't use that word very often, right? You're not at work going, I'm going to make a disciple electrician, all right? What is a disciple? A disciple is basically a student, or an apprentice. You guys get that? Does that blow your mind? No. Okay, it's just a student or apprentice. And so to disciple somebody is to do what? To teach them, to lead them, to instruct them, to show them, right? To discipline them and guide them along the way. Very simple. You get that? You with me? Just a big old yes. All right, I like it. Just making sure, keeping you guys alive. My job is to teach you, and if you don't know where I am, This is a waste of all of our time, okay? So here's what it is. It's to disciple, to teach. Now, what is, based on what you heard from Matthew 28, what is the subject? What are they teaching them? Somebody tell me. Okay, say it louder. Teaching them the gospel, okay? That's another biblical word. It's going to take me way too long to explain. Basically, it's this. Teach them everything that Jesus taught them. Do you hear that? Teach them everything. So Jesus says to them, hey, everything I've taught you, I want you now to become the teacher who goes and teaches somebody else. Everything I said. And it's not just everything that Jesus said. It's the way he said it. It's everything Jesus did and why Jesus did it. Because basically what he wants them to teach them is the way of Jesus. In fact, the beginning of the church, they were called the followers of the way. Because the way of Jesus is just radically different way of living. And he tells them, go and teach them this way. Now, here's the thing. If we're talking about a way, okay, some of you guys live on the South Fork, South Fork so you're going to go that way when you leave. Some of you live towards Powell, so you're going to go that way towards Powell. Simple? Okay? You with me? Got it? Great. You know where you are now? All right, awesome. Uh, so listen to this. Let's say Powell is the wrong way. And everybody said? Okay. I gave you a, I soft tossed it to you. And you didn't take it. All right. So let's say it's this way. Okay, so listen. If the way of Jesus is usually, I want to tell you this. My experience from walking the way of the world, okay, which we're just imagining is towards bow. If you're going this way and you're walking the way of the world, which is a broad way, and it's a broad way that Jesus says leads to destruction. When you're going this way, at some point in your life, if you want to walk in Jesus' way, you've got to stop and realize that you're going what? The wrong way. Now, if I want to stop and I want to go Jesus' way, what do I got to do? If I'm facing this way, what do I got to do if it's the South Fork way? I got to turn around. Look how smart you are. So basically, in the, in, in, what we in the business of biblical teaching, what we call what you just described is repentance. It's you're going the wrong way. And then suddenly you realize, hey, this is not, this isn't the right way. And then you stop. Now, you're going to need some help, aren't you? Somebody's going to have to tell you, wait, wait, which way is the right way then? Because this way is broad, okay? It's not just towards Powell. It also goes this way and that way and all the ways, but not that one. And that way is different. And you're going to need teaching, and you're going to need training, and you're going to know which way, what direction that is. And so you're going to have to repent, which means, like you've already described, because you guys are such biblical scholars, you're going to have to turn around. 
And you're going to have to go this way, which means that somebody's going to have to teach you that this is the right way. All right? You don't have to agree that that's the right way and this is the wrong way. You don't have to agree with me, but that's what it's going to take. Am I right? And so he sends these disciples, his students, his apprentices, and he says, I want you to go into the world and I want you to show them the right way, which is Jesus's way. And guys, it's not the way to church. The way of Jesus is something that applies to every single aspect of our life, absolutely everything. So the teaching of walking in the way of Jesus, it's a quite big teaching because it applies to everything in your life. You hear that? You with me? Oh, let's go. Come on, let's keep moving. All right, so let me tell you now two things that you need to understand. You understand repentance now, which means you got to turn around. But man, if I go and I stop and I go, man, that, this feels like the wrong way. Every time I go this way, I'm into more depression. I'm now into more drugs. I'm looking at more things I shouldn't look at. I'm hurting more people. I'm hurting myself. My things are not going well. I am not, this cannot be the way of life. Somebody lied to me. Now, if I pause here and somebody tells me the way of Jesus, it doesn't mean I'm going to go that way. Just because I hear the way of Jesus, like many of you, how many of you spent so many years in a church hearing the right way, but you didn't go that way yet? All right? Anybody? You didn't want to go that way. You're like, I, yeah, I get it. Jesus loves me. He died for me. He's saying, all hail King Jesus. So what happens, what has to happen next is something called faith. And faith, okay, all of you have. Every one of you. You have faith in something. Some of you, not so much faith right now in your chair. Am I right? Okay? But you had just enough faith to sit in it. So faith is basically, do I believe... Because every one of you wants life. I, 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 don't, I don't really believe that you guys are just so utterly hopeless. If you were utterly hopeless, you wouldn't be here. There's something in you. God has allowed something beautiful to still remain in you. That's amazing. So there's faith. So there's either faith that I go, that this is the right way. This is going to continue to be the right way or wrong way, whatever. But I have faith that I'm just going to go this way. Or I have to have faith that this is it. You tracking? Now, faith is not something that we just talk about. Faith is something that when you really believe something, you're going to walk about. So faith is not, repentance is a turning around. Faith is a belief that this is the right way. And then we start walking in the way of Jesus. You got what I'm saying? You with me? So what is faith? Faith is belief that Jesus really is the Son of God who gave his life for me and that he deserves everything in my life and I want to follow him for the rest of my days in every avenue of life, not just my Sunday mornings. I'm talking my Monday mornings, my Saturday evenings, every single relationship, everything I say and do, I want it to be his. And so I'm going to walk that way. Now, what's the first step in the way of Jesus? He says in Matthew 28, it's what? It starts with B, rhymes with baptism. See what I'm saying? I just want to be a good teacher. I'm not trying to play games with you. It's baptism. The first step we take is baptism. Now, what is baptism? Let me say very simply, because there's a lot more I can say. It's simply this. Baptism, okay, and if you don't know, it's, it's a big thing of water. Like traditionally, Jewish-wise, this is what it looked like, okay? I don't know where you come from, okay? But look, Jewish-wise, it's a big pool of water, okay? It could be a river. And what happens is it's a going into this thing, and it's a, it's a, a ritual cleansing, a washing off. Okay, and then you come out of it to walk in a new way. Now, the Jews would do this over and over and over and over and over and over. But with Jesus, the first step we take is we go into the waters of baptism. I'm washed clean by the blood of Jesus. I'm buried just as he was buried in the ground. I'm raised just as he was raised up out of the ground, and I now walk in new life, and I never have to do it again. Why? Because Jesus forgave all my sin. So I don't have to be baptized again. So that's the first step. Now that you understand both of those things, we can move on to some deeper things. Y'all ready? We're playing, like, we're playing like biblical algebra today. All right? I'm trying to be your coach, math teacher. Okay, so now that you understand this, let's transition back into the mission. The mission of the church, which is to be and to make fully devoted followers of Jesus. It means I want to be it, and I want to help you be it. Okay. Repenting, turning around, going, somebody telling me that that's the way. Faith, I believe that's the way. Now I'm going to step. First step is into what? Baptism, out of that, and I'm going to keep going up the South Fork to the Holy Land. <laughs> okay? And so I'm going to head towards Jesus, and I'm going to follow him. You see that. Now listen to this. Baptism is also kind of like an initiation. 
an initiation into the way of Jesus. But here's what you need to understand, friends. This is so incredibly important. Many of you have this confused. Faith and baptism into the way of Jesus is not the end of the way. Let me say it again. Let it sink in. Faith in Jesus and baptism into the way is not the end of the way. It is just the beginning. You hear me? Why does this matter? This matters significantly, and let me show you why. Do you have Philippians 3 open? Do you have it around you somewhere? We need to buy Bibles, but right now we're currently focused on chairs. All right. Philippians chapter 3, verse 12. Let me tell you why this is so important that you understand this. Paul, which a lot of you guys have heard of, whether you've been a part of church or not, Paul is just, man, he is a faithful follower in the way of Jesus. Incredibly faithful follower of Jesus. Gave his life for Jesus. But this is what he says. Not that I have already obtained this. Now, this, let me go ahead and tell you, is perfection. Listen what he says. Not that I've already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. So what is he saying right here? He's basically saying, listen, I have believed in Jesus. He has made me his. I have been baptized into the way of Jesus, but I am not perfect. When I first came to Christ, I, listen, 2005, I was 15 years old. I didn't really know hardly anything. I wasn't discipled very well. I thought that when I gave my life to Jesus and I believed in him, that I was never going to sin again. How long do you think it took before I figured out that was a lie? Like 45 minutes, okay? Uh, that's a complete lie. I had just begun it. And Paul, who was deep into the way, he's out in the thoroughfare by now, is saying, I do not believe that I've attained to it. Go to verse 13. Let's look. He says, brothers, he's talking to you and sisters, okay? I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, I love this, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. That's one of the just coolest verses in your New Testament. Now, he says, I have not attained it. I don't even think that I've gotten close. You see that? Not even close. And he says this right after telling you all of his accolades as a Jew. Now, I'm going to say some things to you that maybe don't mean something, but in Jewish culture, they mean everything. So listen to what he says. He says, uh, up, up above where you just read, he says that he was circumcised on the eighth day. He's an Israelite of the tribe of Benjamin. He knows who he comes from. They say he's a Hebrew of Hebrews. Like, it's like me going like he's an American of Americans. You go, yeah, I bet he's got a shirt with a flag on it, right? And a big truck and those little cross, like, you know, muskets shirts. You know, I don't know what company that is, but you know what I'm talking about. Some of you, Right? <laughs> And so he says, I'm a Hebrew of Hebrews. When it comes to the knowledge of the law, he's like, I'm a Pharisee. I memorized the entire first book, first five books of the Torah, which is the Torah. He says he was a zealous persecutor of the church. He murdered Christians. He says he was blameless. This is all the accolades that he says he brings to the table and he brought to the table. But then when he met Jesus, let me read verse 7. Look at this. Follow me. This is amazing. Some of you are going to need this to set you free today. He says, but whatever gain I had, I counted as a loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. I'll give up everything to know Jesus, is what he says. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish, trash, in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him. Not having a righteousness of my own, because he just, he just listed all of his own righteousness. And he goes, I don't have any. That comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ. The righteousness from God that depends on faith. That I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible, I may attain the resurrection 
of the dead. Guys, this little chunk right here is the truest direction of discipleship that I could ever describe to you. This is it. This is true discipleship. And the goal of his discipleship is this. It's growth in the knowledge of Jesus, or I think even better way to say this. This is the epitome of being discipled in Jesus. It's a deeper understanding of and connection to Jesus. I have friends who have a doctorate in theology, and you should not follow them as they follow Jesus. They know some things, but man, I don't know if they're known by Jesus or if they really know who they know. So what, is, what I'm saying is, Paul is saying, I, I consider all as a loss to the surpassing worth of knowing. What he's talking about is this, this deep inner connection to Jesus. All right, why does this matter? Okay, this is going to get us to another word in the business, the theological business. It's called sanctification. Everybody say that word. You did a good job. All right, those who are ahead of us in the faith... All right, ahead of many of us in the faith, they help us out by saying that sanctification is broken up into two different parts. And they do this to help you, so let me help you. There's two different ones, okay? Positional sanctification and progressive sanctification. I got this fancy whiteboard up here because I'm going to show you what I mean by that. First thing you need to understand is this. Sanctification means to set apart. Everyone say set apart. Okay, I re- look, that's a teaching trick. If I make you repeat it, it's more likely you remember it. All right, this is you in your life. This is you. Before Jesus, this is everybody. Now, what do you notice about this line? It's a flat line, isn't it? It's because everyone without Christ, our Bible tells us, is flatlined. We're dead. We're dead in our trespasses and sins. Apart from Christ, we could do nothing. Okay, we're flatlined. We are separated, and I want you to see this. See this right? This is gonna this is gonna turn out to be a graph for some few wonderful people. All right, this is a graph, and this way up in here, this this field up in here, is the way of Jesus. Now, positionally, if this is you right here, are you positioned in the way of Jesus? Good answer. No, you're not. You're positioned in the way of the world and the position in death. Now, check this out. Remember what I said earlier. Let's imagine this was Greg in 2005, all right, June of 2005. I was dead in my trespasses and sins, praying that God would kill me. And then one day he did. And this is what happens. There was a death, okay, this is, that says death for those of you deep in the back, death. And in this death, instantly I'm brought up into the way of Jesus. Do you see that? Instantly. Now this, you could, you're looking at me right now, you're like, Greg, you didn't actually die. You're right. The spirit of me was dead, but connected to the life of Jesus, I'm now brought into the way. Remember what we said this was? It's faith, right? You guys remember that? It's belief. Now, do you think that there were people, okay, this is where I needed an eraser. Oh, boy. Uh, Do you think there were people all along the way right here telling me the way of Jesus? Yeah? Okay, good. That's important that you know that. Now, I'm baptized into the way. I, have, I believe, and now I'm with Jesus. I'm his. Positionally, I belong to Christ. You got that? Okay, let me show you something different. I'm going to use a different color. Try to be the best teacher I can be. This is what he is saying. Paul is saying, I want to press on for the upward call of following Jesus. Now, I want you to imagine. It's like this, okay? Just up and to the right. You see that? This is the progressive way of following Jesus. Do you mind grabbing those wipes? Because I'm going to erase that here in a second. So this is the progressive way of following Jesus. Okay, so I have been, I'm in the way. This is me being changed and growing into the way. Do you all see that? It's just as plain as I can make it. Okay, you get it. That's what it looks like. Okay, so what am I trying to show you? Okay. Let me make sure I'm showing you before I show you. You get it? You were dead. You were flatlined in faith. You're positioned in the way, the way of life. And it's an right, up and to the right call. Okay? Now, this is what he says. If you go to Philippians chapter 3, verse 15. Go there real quick. 
Paul says this. He says, let those of you who are mature think this way. And if anything, anything you think otherwise, he says, God will reveal that to you also. All right, so basically what he's trying to tell you is this. He's saying, this is how I want you to see this. And everybody who's mature, which doesn't take a lot, okay, realizes that I once was dead, I've made alive, and now I'm on a way of trying to follow Jesus, okay? And so discipleship in the mission is, first and foremost, we said, right, it's to be and to make. So first to be. First is to be in the way. The mission begins with you being in the way of life and trusting and following the way of Jesus. But second, it's also an invitation. See that smiling person over there? Okay? That was a girl named Kayla who showed up on my house and said, I invite you to come with me. And she'd been showing me the way of Jesus. And so because of Kayla, she, who was in the way, invited me into this opportunity. Anybody like casting crowns? You don't have to admit it. I wouldn't either. Okay? Casting crowns, right? It was the lead singer casting crowns who shared the gospel with me. Another person who was in the way, who invited me into the way, because they lived on mission. Do you understand? So this is what it is. So verse 17, this is what Paul says. He says, brothers, he says, join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example that you have in us. So let's just go ahead and recap what we've already said. All right? I'm going to recap it with a few questions before we move on to who is it for. So here we talked about what is the mission. So here's a question I wanted you to ask yourself. Where am I on this image? Here's a simpler way to ask yourself. Am I a disciple of Jesus? All right? Am I a disciple of Jesus? It's a simple question. That's a simple answer. I don't mean, did you have a good week? Were you morally right? Were you morally wrong this week? I'm asking you, are you a disciple of Jesus? Okay? Are, or are you here or are you in the way? Okay? That's number one. Number two, if you are a disciple of Jesus, here's the question you got to ask yourself. And I'm trying to get you this, I'm trying to get this outpost people to ask themselves constantly. Am I discipling somebody? I want you to ask yourself that and think. Am I actually discipling somebody? Does a name come to mind right now? If zero names come to mind right now, okay? I'm not trying to make you feel guilty. I just want you to realize you are not walking in the way of discipleship because you don't actually disciple anybody else, and that's key to the way. We've already described that. You've got to be a disciple. Now, let me ask you this. this is, I need you to really hear what I'm saying here. Do I act like salvation is the end? Let me explain. Is your life, you've given your life to Jesus, say, I am a disciple, but you act like it ended right there. So basically, your life is just this right here, you know? It's like, I got in. That's all that matters. I'm just going to keep doing that. Do you act like just getting into the way is the end? Maybe you're going to need some community and some people to ask you and help you process what that looks like. That's an important thing to ask. Let me ask you one more question, okay? For those of you who have been following Jesus for decades now, listen to me, you particularly, all right? Do, I want you to ask yourself, do I act like I am at the end, okay? Do I act like I'm at the end? Do I act like, okay, and let me draw this now because you're going to need this. So important. Up here, there's this line of perfection, okay? Bible also calls it heaven, Paul calls it glory. And who is there? Hey, good answer. It's Jesus. All right, Jesus is there. Okay? Do you act like you have already crossed this line? Would people, when they interact with you, do they feel like you act like there's nothing else in your life that you need to work on? You are just a perfect human being. Or like Paul, you say, man, I strain, I press on, I want to move towards Christ. I am not there yet, and I don't even act like it. I don't assume that I have already gotten there. Or do you act like you've already gotten there? 
Look, I, I rub shoulders with a lot of you who you act like you've already gotten there. And if I say, you'll go, oh, no, I'm not perfect. I'm not perfect. And I'm like, okay, well, tell me something that you're really trying to move through with Christ and you can't answer, which tells me that you're not really thinking about it. Ecclesiastes 4.13, Solomon, wisest man who ever lived, said, better was a poor but wise youth than an old and foolish king who's forgotten how to take advice. Do not be an old and foolish king who doesn't know how to take advice anymore. Man, it serves no one. And listen, you, you see this line right here? You see what's not written in this line? The word retirement. It's not even on there. It's not even. I'm, I'm about to come off sides. I'm gonna, we're going to keep going. All right. So this is what discipleship is. It's a mission. It's an inviting into the way. And it's a helping people progress along the way of Jesus as we all head towards Jesus to get to him. Now, who is this mission for? Anybody want to know? Cool. I'll tell you anyways. All right, let me tell you about the mission. Who is this for? So let's go ahead and eliminate a lie that I drew, drew on this board. I did it this way to help you. Now I'm going to erase it to help you even more. Uh, look, here's my thought. Many of you in this room go, my faith, is anybody in here? Just raise your hand. Be completely honest. My hand is raised already. Does anybody here, you look at this line right here and you go, man, my faith has not been a constant up and to the right. Anybody feel that way? Hey, hey, look at that. I love the honesty of this gathering of people because it's true. It's not. So there's a lie in this. So let me erase the lie. Ooh, that's super wet. All right. And let me show you. Let me show you what the way of following Jesus is really like. You want to know what it's really like? It's really a lot like this. Oh, uh oh, hit that wet spot. Oh, no. It's like a nightmare. All right, here we go. We're going back. Okay. This shirt's too nice. I just don't want to use it as, a, as an eraser, you know. Okay. I'm only allowed to buy like one nice shirt a year, so here we go. All right, so this is like the way of following Jesus. It's like this, okay. It goes like that. All right, so let me show you. you got, can you all see that? It's like, it's like the stocks in 2020. Right? It's like Tesla in 2020, okay, not current, obviously. But so here's what I want to tell you is following Jesus is a lot of highs and a lot of lows. You agree? A lot of moments you go, oh, thank God. And a lot of moments you're going, oh man, am I even saved? I just want you to know if you've ever felt that, welcome to normalcy. That's exactly what it's like. But I want you to see something. The Colorado Rockies, or let's use the Grand Tetons. The Grand Tetons are described as young mountains which that's why they say they're so jagged and aggressive. And it's really cool to look at, am I right? It's wild. All right, that's also like what it's like for you to be young in your faith. It's like the Tetons. Some of you who are young in your faith are just like, oh, I just love Jesus. Oh, my gosh, I'm going to die. Like, it's, like, it's just constant, right? <laughs> I moved from North Carolina. North Carolina, where we lived, were the Appalachian Mountains. Beautiful place. And that's how you say it, Appalachian, Okay. And Appalachian Mountains, they're a little more like rolling hills, and they say that the Appalachian Mountains are old mountains. And those who've been following Jesus for a long time, the, the peaks and the valleys get a little more shallow. But do you see how this thing, even when you have downs, even when you have ups, you have more downs, it's still kind of a steady up and to the right. So there's a couple truths I want you to know. Number one, following in the way of Jesus is a progressive work, and if you have the Spirit in you, it's always going to lead up and to the right if you're following Christ. If he's in you, it always will. Number two, you need to understand that it's a complete lie that it's going to be a straight line. It's not. You're going to have moments of highs. You're going to have moments of lows. All right? So I'm going to see if this red will work again. Okay? And I'm going to put a little, I'm going to put a little thing here. So there's this point right here. And this is that high point in your life. You're like, wah! But there's also this low point right here. Do you see that? Okay? I'm just going to leave those there for a second because I want you to see them. Okay, so these are the hills and these are the valleys. Why do I draw this up on the board? Why do I want you to see this? It's because I believe some of you, you're not progressing in the way. You don't want to help anybody in the way because you're afraid. You are absolutely afraid because you have these low points in your life. And you go, I'm not the guy. I'm not the gal. That's the pastor's job. That's my community team leader's job, right? That's that Christian who's out there. That's their job. And so I'm doing this right here to help you feel a little bit comfortable knowing that it's a normal thing for Paul, for Greg, for Jake, and for you. If you want to walk in the way of Jesus, it's going to be, some, it's going to be rocky, 
and then it's going to be the Appalachian, and then one day there's going to be glory, okay? We're going to get to that here in a little bit. But I want to do that to alleviate this pressure you have. You think that you're not the person who should be sharing with others about the way of Jesus. Let me tell you, that is a lie. And let me use four people, four people to prove it to you, okay? Number one, there's this woman in John chapter 4, and her, we call her the woman by the well. For some reason, we didn't give her a name. Thank you, John. Uh, but there's a woman by the well. You guys know the story? Jesus comes and meets this woman by the well. She's there. She's a big sinner. She's been married how many times? And the, the man she's living with is what? Not her husband, all right? This girl has uh, just had a lot of husbands. We don't know what it is. Are they all dying? Is she like a black widow? Is, she, is, it, like, is it like just uh, some other kind of scandalous thing? But all we know is she is there in the middle of the day because she doesn't want to see any other women because they're going to talk about her. She doesn't want to face what's in front of her. But she comes in contact with Jesus. And suddenly, when she comes in contact with Jesus, there's a death to this woman. She has faith, and she's placed in the way. When she comes in contact with Jesus, you know what she does? She takes off running to her hometown, and she goes to them, and she tells everyone, come and see the man who's told me everything I've ever done, which is basically, come to see the man who's changed me. She went from being the woman who didn't want to be seen by anybody to shouting throughout her whole city about a man named Jesus, a brand new believer with a history, is telling everyone. And by the end of chapter 4, what we see is so beautiful. An entire Samaritan village, they go, look, lady, we don't even need to hear it from you anymore. We've now met him, and we believe. You see that? That's a person who's like right there. She's not up here. She's right here. She's probably still awkward and weird and kind of annoying, right? And she's going, I got to tell other people. I got to invite other people into this. And it transforms hundreds of people's lives in that village. Insane. Let me use you another person. Maybe you think, oh, okay, great. I heard that. There's another woman. Her name is Mary, okay? And I'm thinking of Mary Magdalene, Mary of Magdala, which is on the Sea of Galilee. This woman had demons inside of her, okay? And she was rejected. She was pushed away. She was abused. But Jesus, because this is the kind of guy and God he is, invites her to walk with him. And so she gets to be a part. You see her in and out throughout the stories of her being around uh, Jesus. But check this out. Jesus dies on the cross, and he's resurrected in the grave. Who's the first person that he reveals himself to? Mary. The first person in his ministry that he absolutely reveals himself to outside of the disciples, a woman from Samaria. First woman, first person he reveals himself to after the resurrection is a woman named Mary. So women in the room, listen to me. God loves you. He wants to use you. And you can transform, maybe not the entire world, but you'll transform somebody's entire world by being a person in the way who invites others in the way. You don't have to be a pastor to do it. Jesus says he will use you. That's what I'm talking about. Let me use another guy, a guy named Peter. Peter is an awesome guy, okay? I relate to Peter in a lot of ways, foot in mouth constantly. And he, uh, he's following Jesus. He's the leader of the gang. He's killing the game. He's doing a great job. And he has this high point in this moment where he's just like, listen, man, I'll die with you. And Jesus says, oh, really? Uh, before the rooster crows tomorrow, you're going to deny me three times. And he goes, no, I would never do that. What does he end up doing? Denying Jesus three times. So if you read one of the Gospels, it'll show you that not only did he deny him, and I've stood where this house was where this would have happened. It says that Peter and Jesus made eye contact after the third denial. Ugh, like rip your heart out. You know what Peter does? He runs away and he goes and weeps. That word weep, when the Greek, basically what it wants you to do is imagine the worst cry you've ever had in your life and Peter probably beats you. He goes and he is just absolutely distraught. But what's amazing about Jesus, some of you feel like Peter. You're like, man, I denied Christ. I acted all bold and confident, and then I didn't follow through. I'm just not the guy. I shouldn't be telling anybody how to walk in the way. I'm not going to do it. But you know what he tells Mary when Jesus raised from the grave? He goes, says, Mary, I want you to go to my disciples. I want you to tell them to go back to Galilee, and I want, I'm going to meet them there. Guys, listen to me. This is amazing. Where these guys come from in Galilee is a tiny, 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 tiny little fishing town. And Jesus says, 
I want Peter to go home and I'm going to meet him at home. And he goes and he meets him at home. And while he's fishing, he goes out on a boat, Peter and some of his boys, they go out on a boat on the Sea of Galilee. And while they're out there fishing, some dude walks up on the beach. And that dude is Jesus. And he says, guys, throw out your net on the side. And they're like, we've already done it. Well, they throw out a net again anyways, and they catch a huge thing of fish. And what does Peter realize? Oh, no, that's Jesus on the beach. And what does he do? He just jumps off the boat. I got to get on the Sea of Galilee uh, a couple weeks ago or a month ago or so. And we were on a boat on the Sea of Galilee. And I asked the guy who was leading, I said, hey, do you mind if I jump off like Peter and swim in? And the boat, boat driver goes, no one has ever done that. And I was like, you know, sorry, that was a Russian accent. I'm not good at Hebrew. And it was awesome. Me and like five other guys, we jumped off and we swam in. Just, just what it was like for Peter. And he swims in. You know what Jesus does on the beach? He cooks him a little meal. And he says, he just forgives him three times. He says, hey, Peter, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? And basically what Jesus is doing there on the beach is reinstating Peter as a leader. Some of you feel like you've fallen from grace because you're called to be a leader and you failed. Peter is telling you, man, you might be at a dip right here, but Peter would tell you, hey, listen, Jesus still wants to use you. He loves you. If you're bold enough to jump off the boat, swim up to him, he's going to make you a meal. He's going to remind you of your goodness. And he's going to do it in your home. You hear me? Let me give you one more guy, Paul. All right? Paul's a guy we already read. He had all this righteousness, all these things that he did, circumcised in the eighth day, Hebrew of Hebrews, tribe of Benjamin, zealously killing Christians, the Pharisee, all those things. But he realized that even though he had all those things, he was still dead. And one day he comes in contact with Jesus and brought in. Paul says of himself later, he goes, I'm like one untimely born. He's like, I'm, a, I'm an apostle who shouldn't even be here. I don't deserve to be in the room. I killed these guys. I want to tell you, some of you in this room right now, you feel like you don't deserve to be in the room. Paul knows what that's like. And he's saying, listen, not only are you invited into the way, but some of you who are already in the way, some of you feel like you don't deserve to be sharing about Jesus with others. And I want to tell you, Mary, uh, the woman by the well, Peter, and Paul, they all want to tell you the same thing, which is verse 17 of chapter 3 of Philippians. Brothers and sisters, listen. Join in imitating us and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example that you have in us. You are going to have hills. You are going to have valleys. But what does Paul tell us? He tries to forget what lies behind and just keep pressing on to what lies ahead. You hear me? Now, you need to know what lies ahead. What lies ahead is perfection and heaven and glory and the Jesus we say we love. So let me tell you, there's another death that's going to happen in your life. All of you know it, 100% chance. Statistics don't need to be run. There's going to be another death in your life. And this is going to be the last one you all have. And from there, just as Jesus' death brings you into the way, your death is going to bring you into the presence of Jesus. You're going to keep progressing. One day you're going to die, and he's going to bring you to be with himself. And that is exactly what Paul is trying to tell you. Yes, you're going to have hills and valleys. But we forget. Listen, guys. Guys, I have committed sins in, before Jesus and with Jesus that I am not proud of. But my Savior has always forgiven me. And he keeps wanting to use me and move me forward. It's not like those sins don't matter. It's not that they don't have consequences. But I forget what lies behind. I press on to what lies ahead. And guess who's along this way with me the whole way? That's right. I don't know who said it. Say it louder. The Holy Spirit. Listen to me. I'm about to show you something great. The Holy Spirit is involved here. He's involved here. And he's going to take you home. The Holy Spirit is with us. The, Spirit is the, second, the third part of the Trinity is the way we say that. And he is in me and with me, and he reminds me of God's goodness. He reminds me, Greg, hey, that sin that happened here, happened here, happened there, Jesus already died for that on the cross. Leave it behind. Be confident. Press on. Tell your neighbor. Encourage your friends. Tell your children. Tell your wife. Tell your boss. Hey, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. So I press on to the upward call of Christ. To the one day that when I die, he'll take me home to be with him. And I believe it. I walk in that way. I don't walk this way anymore. And even when I do, all right, even when I have my low moments, I'm still going to follow him. So here's what I want you to see, okay? A couple things you need to know. This is so, 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 so important, okay? 
Every one of you right now in this room, you're looking at this line. I know, it's taking forever, isn't it? Where are we at? Yeah, we got to go. Listen to me. Look at me. You're looking at, I don't want you to leave here and get confused. This is going to be, this is going to be helpful. This black line of progression is not a moral line. You hear me? It's not a moral line. Okay? This is a line of growth. But this right here is not a line of morality. It's a line of joy. Some of you really need to see this. This isn't, yeah, I've done less drugs. I'm not drinking anymore. I, I'm not, you know, swearing and yelling at people and getting angry. And I, I attend church regularly now. You know, I even give them my money. That's not what that means. Because Paul was over here doing more than you, and he was dead in his morality. This right here is a line of growth and joy. Because true discipleship is not teaching people how to not do bad things and how to do good things. Uh, the way of Jesus is learning to have joy in our relationship with him. You maybe have never heard that. I never heard that for years. It's all about being with Jesus. He wants to be with you, to stand with you. And so look at this. Where is Jesus in all this? Jesus is here. Jesus is here. Jesus is here. Jesus with his spirit is all here. And then one day Jesus is taken here. Do you see? Jesus is all over your life. Christian, so what do you have to be afraid of? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. Because Jesus, he's with us. Now, got to answer one final question like I promised, even though... Uh, we're running behind. So here's what I want you to understand. Lastly, why do we do this, guys? Christians, why do we do this? All right? If coming to church on Sunday is a hobby for you, man, get a better hobby. This is not that fun, right? You ever seen somebody ski? They're smiling all the way down, right? This is not a hobby. We do this because it connects us to the joy of Jesus. So number one, why do we do the mission of Jesus? Number one, because Jesus commanded us, and anything my loving, joyous Savior wants me to do, I want to do. Because I love him. It's that simple. Adopt my language as yours. So number one, is because he commanded us to go and make disciples. I got invited in, and Jesus is saying that I got the ability to invite others in. You ever been invited to something you shouldn't have been at? It's so awesome. You have been invited to something that you don't belong to. But Jesus made you belong, and he goes, this one's with me. And he goes, and you can invite anybody you want. And he goes, really? I can invite anybody you want? I want to invite my wife. I want to invite my kids. I want to invite my neighbor. Can they come too? Yeah, they can come, but they've got to believe and trust in me. Okay, well, I'm going to try to help them understand that. So I'm going to disciple them. I'm going to teach them and show them the way. You got that? Okay, I'm trying to give you language to help you get out of your, your like, horrible Christian ritualism. Second reason, because those who have been separated from Jesus, listen, they will end in destruction. This right down here, Look, this is not, there's nothing in your Bible that says Jesus is just going to, at the end, save everyone. It doesn't say that. It actually says they're going to end in destruction. When their actual life dies, they'll enjoy the rest of that death in a place called hell. And it's real, guys. The Bible talks about it. It's real. And it's a place of complete sanctification from God. You are set apart from God in every single way. And that is what makes it hell. It's because there is nothing of his goodness, nothing of his kindness, nothing of his love, nothing of his joy, none of it. Your neighbor is going to be destroyed. So for many of whom I have said to you, this is uh, Philippians chapter 3, verse 18, and told you and now tell you even with tears, I appreciate my brother saying that. Walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction. Their God is their belly. They glory in their shame with minds set on earthly things. Remember this way? The way of the world, guys, is all about my belly, what I want, what I want to eat, what I want to enjoy, my pleasures. It's set on my pride and who I am and my identity and all that I can gain. And yada, yada, yada. The way of Jesus is a giving up of all that to walk in his way. And enjoying his cross. 
So that's the second reason. The third reason we do that is because we do this mission, guys, is because Jesus loves the world. Uh, if you don't believe this, even though he's going to send people to hell, you've got to understand he loves the world. Luke 19 says that Jesus came to seek to save the lost. So whatever Jesus loves, don't we love it? Maybe you don't. I do. That's why I sat with my neighbor this past week and we had dinner at her house. Because we want our neighbor to know Jesus. And I got to sit and tell her, I love Jesus. And she doesn't love Jesus right now, but she knows I do. And I want her to know more of the way. And she brought us hummus this past week, which is super dope. And we're going to keep building this relationship because my Savior loves her. And I want her to know that. So why do we do this? Number one, he commanded. Number two, we do this because people really are going to go to hell. And number three, God loves them enough he doesn't want them to be there. You see that? That is why we do this. And God's involved in everything. All right, there is no final song. But you guys got taught a lot today. A lot. Okay, some of them might be review. But let me tell you something. As you guys get ready to wrap up and you're going to leave, you need to know, guys, this mission is right now. Right now. So I'm begging that the Lord would help some of you in this room realize the mission, you didn't accomplish the mission by coming to, coming to church today. You accomplished the mission by leaving as the church today. Okay? And so I just want to pray for your Monday, your Tuesday, your Wednesday, your Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Again, that you would have opportunities to connect with people far from Christ. Tell them about how you love Jesus. But don't leave here just content to feel good that you attended something. Because you can attend something. And if you're never attending to the business of following Christ, it's meaningless. You hear me? And now lastly, if you're in this room and you don't know Jesus, I've already I've excluded you from so much today. But I want, you to tell, I want you to know, because I love you. And that's the reason why we did this. We do this whole big spiel. The reason why we do this is because Jesus loves you, and he doesn't want you to be excluded. If you put your faith in Jesus, you believe in him, you turn, and you want to follow him in his way, there's 100 people in this room who'd love to help you. But first, you've got to believe in him. And that's my prayer is that you would do that. All right? Lord, we're, we're leaving here. We're about to get out of the outpost. We got some training today. You helped us. Your word showed us a lot. And uh, we're about to get out back into your world. I pray, Jesus, for these people. Protect them. Protect them from evil. Protect them from lies. Protect them from deception of the way of the world. And I pray that all of them will feel encouraged today, feel lifted up, feel pumped. They'll run side by side together for the sake of the gospel. And God, at the end of this week, I pray we have just more stories of eating dinners with our neighbors and telling our coworkers and discipling our children. We want to be on this mission until you come back. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, guys, have a great week of worship. We'll see you next week.